0: For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at a Sleep Number Store or sleepnumber.com. Today's episode is presented by Lloyds Banking Group.
1: Everyone deserves a safe place to call home. That's why Lloyds Banking Group has championed the social housing sector for decades, supporting more than 340 housing associations across the UK.
2: We want to save our country from the radical left, radical left crazies. I'm running as a Democrat,
1: but I'm going to be
3: everyone's president. You're listening to Campaign Confidential, our special podcast series on the US elections. There are so many issues surrounding the upcoming elections in November, from voting challenges to civil unrest and from dark money worries to disinformation. But the issue dominating debate in recent days has been the passing of Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. That news immediately generated a battle over when and how to replace her on the country's highest court. Most Republicans want Trump's candidate, who is expected to be announced later this week, to get a vote under the current Republican-controlled Senate. While Democrats say it should wait until after the November 3 outcome is decided, citing the Republicans' own precedent when in 2016 they blocked even the hearing of Barack Obama's candidate for nearly the full election year. Either way, the debate is already proving to have deep and volatile impacts on voter enthusiasm and voter turnout. And don't forget, voting has started now. It's allowing President Trump to switch focus from the coronavirus and economy and allowed Democrats to raise a stunning $160 million, mostly for Senate candidates, over this weekend alone. But that's all very conventional compared to the theme of today's episode, which you might find unusual. There's been mainstream media coverage, sure. Even President Trump has been asked to address it. And yet, it's far from regular political debate. So we just had to dive in and ask questions.
0: During the pandemic,
1: uh, the QAnon movement has been appears to be gaining a lot of followers. Can you talk about what you think about that and what you have to say to people who are following this
0: movement right
2: now? Well, I don't know much about the movement other than I understand they like me very much, uh, which I appreciate, but I don't know much about the movement.
3: That's right. We're here to talk about conspiracy theories. There's one in particular known as QAnon. But don't fool yourself into thinking there's just one. QAnon emerged in October 2017 from cryptic internet postings that supposedly originated from a high-level US official. It claims that Donald Trump is engaged in a secret war with a satanic pedophile cabal which involves large parts of the liberal democratic establishment and Hollywood. Listen to this reporter describe the movement to President Trump. At
0: the, at the crux of the theory it is this belief that you are secretly saving the world from this satanic
1: cult of pedophiles and cannibals. Does that sound like something... You are behind. Or well, I haven't.
2: I haven't heard that. But uh, is that supposed to be a bad thing or a good thing? I mean, you know, if uh, if I can help save the world from problems, I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to put myself out there. And we are actually we're saving. In this
3: episode, you'll hear from two candidates: one running for the U.S. Senate and the other for Congress, who openly support conspiracy theories like QAnon. We spoke with them to gain a better understanding of how movements like this can take hold in mainstream society.
2: Not only do I support the QAnon movement, but I would say that anyone who opposes it is in support of child trafficking.
3: And in the second half of the episode, we'll talk to Politico reporter Sabrina Rodriguez with a fascinating look at how conspiracy theories are being targeted at Hispanic voters in the crucial swing state of Florida.
0: Nobody has been talking about this. Nobody has been dealing with this uh, when it comes to Spanish language disinformation.
3: I'm Ryan Heath, author of Politico's Global Translations, and this is Episode 6 of Campaign Confidential. Before we get started, we should say that some of the material in this episode may be offensive to some people. While conspiracy theories can be harmless, plain ridiculous, or can sometimes seem to make a lot of sense. They're also linked to violent acts and in some cases have been flagged to the FBI as a terror threat. Our goal is not to spread these messages uncritically, but to try and better understand how they shape political outcomes and why they're attractive to so many Americans. Let's start out with Mike Cargile.
2: Hi, I am Mike Cargile, and I am running for Congress in California's 35th district.
3: Mike's district is just outside of Los Angeles in California, or as he describes it,
2: Primarily, my district is a lot of conservative, blue-collar workers. On one end of my district, I have one of the best NASCAR tracks in the country. At the far end of the district on the other side, I have one of the best drag strips in the country. So right now, the biggest issue with our district is our governor keeping the state closed and all of the jobs that he's destroying.
3: Now, the reason we originally contacted you was a Democrat group or a Democrat-aligned group called Media Matters put you on a list and said that you supported uh, a theory known as QAnon. Uh, and we wanted to hear in your own words about whether that was true. I mean, I see on your Twitter bio that you use one of the hashtags associated with QAnon, which stands for where we go one, we go all. And what's your take on it? Do you sign up to what's in that theory? And is that something that People in your district are also supporting.
2: Yes, yes. I absolutely support the QAnon movement. Not only do I support the QAnon movement, but I would say that anyone who opposes it is in support of child trafficking and human trafficking and sexualizing our children, pedophile predators. I feel that strongly now about this movement. And I say that because I've seen it sort of coalesce around a single issue, which is addressing human child trafficking. And, and the more I see, the more I see pushback from groups that seem to want to silence this issue. And I think, why? Why wouldn't you want to go, oh, if this is true, why don't we investigate this? Instead, I see it called a conspiracy theory. And, and But I see Evidence of a a real allegation of wrongdoing. Where is your evidence to the contrary? Because I see the media trying to silence this issue by discounting it and discounting people like me. If the media were actually doing their jobs, I don't think there would be a need for the Q movement, but they're not. And I would say in today's Q movement, if you're not supporting it, then your silence equals acceptance. And your acceptance equals approval of human trafficking and pedophile predators. That's how strongly I feel about it now.
3: And what would it take for a government agency or a police force or President Trump to convince you that enough was being done to investigate the issues?
2: All they would do is have to say something publicly. But they they don't. They don't. They, They nod and they approve. They refuse to distance themselves, which to me is his own version of approval,
3: so it sounds very clear that for you, this is a matter of principle. Is there any electoral effect as well? Do you feel like this is the sort of thing that can help you do better in the district because people are are responding positively to you talking about it?
2: I think absolutely my you know my district is composed. of the people own their own homes, their families. I run my campaign. It's, I say, I'm the family man. And as the family man, I am compelled to do everything I can to search everything I can to safeguard our children and our families. So this is seen as nothing but favorable. And then I would say, how can you, how can you even say, don't listen to a group who's advocating the pursuit of these criminals? To me, that's ludicrous. That's evil, really. That's why I feel comfortable now drawing a line in the sand.
3: Mike is running against the Democratic incumbent Norma Torres. To the question of how voters are responding to his messages, in a March primary election, Torres secured 67% of the vote to Cargyle's 32%. QAnon is one of the more extreme conspiracy theories that have entered mainstream debate of American discourse. But it's not the only one. Our producer, Christina Gonzalez, spoke with a Republican candidate for the U.S. Senate.
1: My name is Derek Grayson, and I am running for U.S. Senate for the great state of
3: Georgia. We originally got in touch with Grayson because he was listed on the same list as Mike Cargile, the one we mentioned earlier, where at least 20 candidates reportedly support the QAnon movement. It turns out Grayson didn't even know he was on the list.
1: I didn't even know that I was listed as a QAnon follower. Or one who espoused
3: conspiracy theory, but the more she spoke with him, the more it revealed other theories he subscribed to and why.
1: Uh, I am not a QAnon follower. Now, have they said some things that I may agree with? Yes, but things that I put forth are things that I can see, that I can verify, that has been documented somewhere. Just because something is a conspiracy doesn't mean that it's not true. If, for instance, Bill Gates and wanting to implant chips into people. Well, on the surface that's BS and it's 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 hype. However, is Bill Gates interested in being able to track people digitally in terms of their medical vaccination records? Yes, absolutely. Well, you know, the, who is Bill Gates have people in the government contracted him to do this so you know that's a conspiracy we don't know all of the players i believe that there is a conspiracy for mandatory vaccines
3: we should say that the bill and melinda gates foundation told the bbc that this claim is categorically false but the coronavirus has generated or revived a whole bunch of conspiracy theories mix that in with high stakes of political campaigning and it's a recipe for controversy Here's how Grayson explained it to Christina.
1: We know that many of the people that have died where they listed corona as the cause, that was not the case. And there have been at least half a dozen doctors that have stated, hey, we were told that if the person tested positive for corona to list their death as corona-related, regardless of any other underlying conditions, that's a conspiracy. To deceive the American people. So, hurt the American people by way of the economy. And the way they did that was with the coronavirus. Continue to lie on the president, blame him for all of the deaths. And then, the third, which is the most insidious, convince the people that we have a major health crisis. And the only way that we're going to get through this is. With a vaccine. Well, if you Google, it takes 10 to 15 years to develop a safe vaccine. How are they going to have a safe vaccine within two years? So this is a conspiracy.
0: How do you parse what is real, what is verifiable, versus what might be misleading or incorrect information? Because I get the impression that you're not. Terribly trusting of the of the media or of the mainstream media. So, what are your sources then that you go to?
1: When I see something on that's posted, for instance, uh, I saw something. Uh, I'm just using an example. For instance, the U.S. Sun. So the the Sun is a tabloid magazine, but I, I saw an article that they put out. But you can't find another source. Independent of the sun, so that's something that you don't you don't put any stock into that. And nobody else is talking about it. Not even reputable sources uh, like Breitbart. They're pretty reliable, but you know people have called them you know fake news as well. You just got once you get into seeing who's talking about something, you get to pretty much learn who you can trust and who you can't.
0: Why is this issue of conspiracy theories now something that we're talking about just 40 something days ahead of the elections in November?
1: We have been conditioned to think that when you hear the word conspiracy, you're dealing with nutcases, okay? Conspiracy simply means two or more people that are orchestrating something for a particular goal, whether it be nefarious or or not that, you know, two or more people have gotten together and they want something to happen. That's a conspiracy. Yes, we're talking about them, but because people have been conditioned to think that when you say the word conspiracy, you're crazy. And that's why I always come back and say, hold on, before you call me crazy, one, I'm giving you documentation. Two, I'm showing you events that if you had been following, you would see the pattern. And three, I'm not yelling that 5G caused corona. I'm showing you where professionals putting their careers on the line are validating what I'm talking about. And if you think that we're crazy, pick up a history book.
3: Grayson is one of six Republican Senate candidates in his state who will be on the ballot in November. He's not among the top two, which he blames on the media's lack of willingness to cover candidates like himself. Grayson ran for the same seat in 2016 and earned 12% of the vote against incumbent Johnny Isaacson's 77% in the Republican primary. Hopefully you've now gained a bit more insight into the mindset of some of America's political candidates. Some of you may be upset that we've given them airtime. Others will appreciate at least hearing their views. Just remember, you can always send us feedback to podcast at politico.eu. Now we're going to zero in on the swing state of Florida. It's the place where elections are often decided. And our own reporter, Sabrina Rodriguez, recently dug into the conspiracy theories that are swamping Spanish-speaking voters in her hometown
0: of Miami, Florida. I've seen so many stories in the last few years about, you know, these conspiracy theories being so prevalent online in English. But going into Spanish-speaking communities, there's just not as much oversight. So there's just wild conspiracy theories and really no fact-checking. That just doesn't exist in Spanish. So it's much easier to be able to spread it, as well as the fact that, you know, WhatsApp, for example, that's used a lot in Florida. That's used a lot in South Florida, specifically with Latinos. So even there, it's even harder because it's encrypted and people, you know, are doing it through chain messages. Uh, so it was really, you know... It went from like one conspiracy theory to a thousand.
3: And does it feel like a sort of a time machine in some respects, as if this is back in 2016 and 2017 for the English language debate?
0: Yeah, it does to some extent. You know, nobody has been talking about this. Nobody has been dealing with this uh, when it comes to Spanish language disinformation. I think of the perfect example is now on Facebook, for example, when you see conspiracy theories at times, there will be like a little tagline under that says, you know, this might be a misleading claim or like, you know, this has been flagged, that doesn't exist in Spanish. So, you know, getting to that place is is kind of what's going to take time.
3: And how far down the rabbit hole was it before you started seeing the full-on conspiracy theories uh, emerge?
0: It was rather quick that I was able to see, you know, these completely wild conspiracy theories Because there's so many fake news outlets now that are focused, you know, there is one that I looked at, this YouTube-based website called um, Informativo G24, and it looks like a completely legit news site, and then you realize that it's just one woman anchor that's bringing on all these conspiracy theorists, and some of them are reputable. I mean, one of them, for example, was like a former United Nations representative and it's that towing the line that is really complicated, because that woman that runs that site, for example, is a longtime Colombian journalist. She was an anchor on an actual news channel for years. But it's very quickly that you realize, you know, it's, it's crazy. It's talking about how George Soros runs the Democrats and how he's, you know, if Biden gets elected, he's really going to be the president. And he's like this puppet master. And and things like that where it you know it's clear that it's not right and it's always also tied to then racism and then tied to you know misogynistic views and and that's where it even gets worse when you see past it just being false but just being truly offensive but i think the concern i kept hearing when i was talking to strategists was that this is a really big issue for older voters and people who aren't as familiar with the internet and aren't as familiar with you know social media but you know, beyond that, in South Florida, a tool that's being used a lot is on the radio.
1: Vamos Biden, Bernie Sanders,
0: and Spanish language radio is still very popular down there. Um, I think that was one of the most surprising things was to see, you know, the amount of paid programming that multiple people had to approve and allow to go on the airwaves, and and those were some of the most offensive that I frankly heard.
3: Now, the story you were writing was about the ways that the Biden campaign could be disadvantaged by this sort of conspiracy theory. Uh, Did you come across any evidence that it's a two-way street or did you really just see a conservative Republican perspective adopting the conspiracy theories?
0: I mean, in South Florida, the experience we saw was mostly, you know, it really being kind of one way and it being very much, you know, Trump supporters and very right-wing people that are pushing, you know, these conspiracy theories. There was criticism of Biden coming from the left during the campaigns. um, But now it's really centered on, you know, Republicans going after Joe Biden.
3: That gets us to the question of whether there's anything that the radio stations, the tech companies, the authorities are doing essentially to, to slow this down.
0: The argument right now is that they're, you know, this is what they're claiming they're going to do is, you know, have more oversight on what they approve to go on the airwaves and obviously be better about vetting the people that they sell, you know, paid programming to. And um, and it actually, I think one of the biggest cases we've seen was last week, the Miami Herald Spanish edition and Nuevo Herald took a lot of heat because they have this partnership with this insert called Libre. And last week's, uh, the front page was talking about how people that are involved in Black Lives Matter are worse than Nazis, because at least Nazis didn't steal. Um, It was insane. And it didn't say like, this is an opinion. And it didn't say like this. No, it was and it was printed. Um, And they've gotten so much heat for it now. And they've apparently broken their partnership with that insert and all of that. But it raises the question of, you know, who who approved this and who read this before it published. Um, So I think it's starting a lot of good conversations about that and, you know, Facebook has vowed a lot to get better at this and has been doing it in the English language side of things. So I think I haven't seen any proof that they're doing it in Spanish right now, but I think that, you know, it has to head in that direction because of just how prevalent it is.
3: Conspiracy theories are not new to politics especially not in America. Fears of a deep state or secret societies out to destroy the country have been around since the 1700s. But for the most part, these theories have remained on the fringes. What's happened now, thanks in part to social media, hyperpartisanship, and growing societal distrust, not to mention an unimaginable global pandemic, is that these sorts of theories have become more pervasive. Some might even say mainstream. And depending on how November's vote shakes out, QAnon believers and others espousing questionable theories could be elected officials in Washington. While social media platforms and media outlets have been trying their best to vet information and better inform voters, in the end it seems that America's galvanized electorate may remain a target for these theories. At least until its citizens can learn to trust each other and the world once again. That's it for today. The regular EU Confidential crew will be back in your feed on Thursday, and we'll be back next Tuesday with another episode of Campaign Confidential. It's debate week. Many thanks to our producer, Christina Gonzalez. I'm Ryan Heath from New York, saying bye for now.
2: Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter.